is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. So good morning again to all of you. It is great to be here with you and on this very special Sunday, our Friends and Family Day. So give yourself a hand if you brought a friend or a family member with you today. Awesome. All right. Let us welcome the presence of the Lord with our prayer. Heavenly Father, we're truly grateful to be in your house today and with this opportunity to worship you with those who we hold dear. We ask, oh Lord, that you be with us today and that you abide with us and fill us with your spirit. May we leave here feeling the joy and peace that comes with being a child of God. For the musicians and those who are serving, and of course, the man of God, infuse them with your spirit today. May we deliver to the people what you have for them. And we take this believing because we know that you will deliver. In Jesus' name, amen. Put your hands together for our worship team. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's Sunday. It's Friends and Family Sunday, too. And we thank God for life. We thank him for health. We thank him for strength. We thank him that we are in our right minds this morning. It's because of the mercies of the Lord that we are not consumed today. And we give, can I get a wave offering just for that? Hallelujah. We want to lift the name of Jesus high this morning. Can we do that? Come on, give your neighbor a smile. I know it's early, but I need to see some smiles in here this morning. Hallelujah. Ready, guys? Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Oh, sing, Lord, I lift your name. Lord, I 
this morning. God, we make your name great this morning. For your name is great and greatly to be praised. Your name is great and greatly to be praised. You are an awesome God. You are an awesome God. Hallelujah. You are an awesome God. You are an awesome God this morning. Thank you, Jesus. God, we lift up your hands.
will reign. We praise His holy name. We praise His holy name. Hallelujah. We command our soul this morning to praise His holy name. We command our soul to lift up His holy name. Because our God is great and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. Jesus, what a wonder you are this morning. What a wonder you are this morning. What a wonder you are this morning. Lion of the tribe of Judah. What a wonder you are. We make your name great this morning. come to make his name great this morning. King Jesus, you're the name we lift high this morning. Your glory, your glory, your glory, your glory, your glory, your glory shaking up the earth and skies this morning. We want to see your kingdom here. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Our Father, all of heaven rose your
we continue in our worship today, you can use your seat as a throne. As we've been invited to come before the throne of grace, if you'd like to remain standing, that's also good. It is whatever you feel you need to do to communicate with God today. This is your opportunity to speak with him, to let him know what you need. He has given us this promise that he will supply all of our needs. We need to do the one important and easy thing, which is to come before him and ask. Truly lay everything at his feet, holding nothing back, but trusting in him that he can deliver you from whatever ails you, or whatever troubles you, or whatever is burdening you. Trust him with it today and lay it at his feet. Heavenly Father, we come humbly acknowledging who you are, the great I am that I am, the, the creator of heaven and earth, and the Lord God who cares so much for us that he would give his only begotten son. Heavenly Father, you know the needs that we have today, oh God. You know whether it be physical, meaning we need a healing touch, you are the Lord, the Lord God that heals. Whether it be a little strength and encouragement, we know that you are the great comforter and you are the great God that truly is with us through every aspect of our lives. For those of us who may be struggling spiritually, infuse us with a new and fresh fire. For those of us, oh God, who need help in our relationships, those of us who need help on the job, you are everywhere. You are ready and able to do it. So Heavenly Father, today, as we are all here with our friends and our family, we pray for unity. We pray for a true spirit that will shine so brightly that those around us cannot help but say, what is it that they have? We know that the reason why we live and we breathe is because of you. So today, Father, as we worship you today, we ask, O oh Lord, that you be with us, that whatever you have for us, that we will have an open heart to receive it. And for those who are on their way, we ask that they be here safely. And for those watching us on the World Wide Web, that they will feel your touch. Today, Lord, we know that our world is fractured and divided, but we know that through you, everything will work out to your plan. So give us the trust and faith in your plan that we may not be swayed in any direction. For the man of God, O oh Lord, we ask, that he's delivered a word that touches each and every heart today. 
that no one will leave here without receiving what you have for them today. So we know, Lord, that we have been worked in obedience to you and that everything that we do and everything that we are is because of you. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you and we bless your name in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Give yourselves a hand, please, and our worship team. It is truly a joy to be here with you today on our friends and family day. And we're going to take this time in the service to acknowledge those of you who might be joining us for the very first time. If it's your first time in the service, we're simply going to ask you to stand. We're not going to ask you to speak. Thank you. And as the ushers come around, they're going to give you a welcome packet. Please remain standing until you get your packet. And that packet is a very important thing, but in there is a connection card. Uh, to capture some information about you. We just want to thank you for being here. We won't solicit anything. We're just truly glad to have you here with us today. So one more hand of applause for our first-time guests. Is anyone in the audience that's joining us for the second or third time? Uh, you had such a wonderful time at your initial visit. You said, I have to come back and share a little bit more time with this wonderful congregation. Just slip your hands up, and we want to make sure. That, oh, there we go. There's a hand. There's a few more. Welcome back. All right. Uh, we also wanted to make sure that we give you a, a little card as well. Uh, there is a lot of ministries and opportunities to be connected with us here at the church, and uh, if you see something there that you're really interested in, just go ahead and uh, indicate it, and we'll uh, be in contact with you and, and let you know. Uh, what you need to do to be able to uh, join that ministry or be or learn a little bit more about what we do here at Living Word Oakland Bible. So once again, a big round of applause for our guests. Before we do announcements, let me just ask one thing. Of our guests that are here, who do we think came the furthest to come and visit with us today? The furthest, huh? If you think you came the furthest to come and visit us today, raise your hand. Let's find out where you came from. Right here. Which coast are we? Jamaica. All right. That's a nice. Anybody further than that? Right back here. Yeah, my hometown, Turks and Caicos. Very nice. Very welcome. Welcome. Anybody further than that? Turks and Caicos. All right. But well, we are truly glad to have you here, and thank you for coming. At this time, I'd like to call Sister Angela Smith with an announcement regarding the family picnic. Good morning, church. So um, this Saturday is our annual church picnic, family picnic, and it's going to be at C.B. Smith Park at 10.30 a.m. 
This is a reminder we still need. We have tickets. They're going to be outside after church. Tickets are $15 for 12 and up, and under 12, it's $6 for the children. We need volunteers. We need donations. We need goods, whatever you want to bring. That's fine. We hope to see all of you there. We had a great time last year, and we're hoping to have an excellent time again this year. Thank you. God bless. You received one of the bulletins when you came in. Just a few things I wanted to highlight today. Leaders, there is a leadership meeting today at 6 p.m. And a final reminder that the Youth Crusade starts tomorrow at 7.30 p.m. Uh, they have a very special speaker, uh, Pastor Donald Clark Jr. from Harvest Fire Worship Center. So you definitely want to come out and join with our youth at what should be an incredible time in the Lord. Also, Academic Club of Excellence Award Ceremony is August 6th at 7 p.m., and the luncheon for those fortunate ones that uh, qualified will be on Saturday, August 19th. Summer Family Picnic, you already heard. Please, please make sure that you don't miss the opportunity to join us. Tickets are on sale. Global Leadership Summit. Thursday, August 10th, 9.30 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. And also um, Friday, sorry, August 11th, 9.30 and 4.30 p.m. Registration is now closed. Wow. So Revival Prayer Times, August 15th, 16th, 7.30 p.m., the 18th at 8 p.m. And this time for September, November, and December. So please. This time I'd like to call Pastor with a special thank you to our volunteers from the camp. Good morning. Well, we want to talk a little bit about camp and to thank all the volunteers that help us at camp. And we're going to give you a little bit of preview of what happened at camp. As you look into the screen, you'll begin to see some of those uh, individuals. We had a, a wonderful time. And it was all because of team effort. And so we're going to show you a little bit of different aspects of camp this morning. And uh, that was some of us, some of them under the tent there. Uh, some, we'll see some of them in the classroom area as they were in the chapel area. And uh, we, we, we're going to move on and we'll look at some of them uh, here uh, doing really having fun. And this one... You probably will see. Let's see. They're having a blast. Uh, let's show you. Okay. So they had some wonderful time with that. And, of course, that's the slip and slide. There's also the pool time. And then, of course... Uh, there was also um, wonderful worship time as well. And so you get uh, some of that as well. Let's see if we can get you.
a little bit of that so that you get a little flavor of what they're doing there. And then, of course, here's another. Um, this is another one that they loved a lot. So let's see if we can get something. This is tonight. Now there's a couple of moves I want you to learn, okay? So the first one just says like this, okay? Here we go. So they had a wonderful time of worship, but then also I uh, want to give you some indication of what happened during the time after the worship, how the presence of God was so rich, as you can see them there, uh, many of them on the ground, calling on God, nobody laying hands on them, they're just down there crying out unto God and calling on the Lord, and, um, and yeah, you can see one of our students right there. <laughs> All right, um, really seeking God and crying before the Lord. And these are the Holy Spirit just coming down on them in the service. Tremendous time of, uh, of pouring. And then, of course, a little bit about that breakfast. Look at that. Uh, they had like 10, 10, 12 things on the breakfast, on the, on the breakfast, Jamaica breakfast morning. I mean, you see them in the, those four, every one of those pans have something different in there. Um, and so they had everything you could get up, continental plus food plus all the different things. And they had a real good time. They were fed, were fed well. And so it was a wonderful time. And then finally, um, I have the picture of one of the, the group that actually won the competition. Um, they are the ones that won the adult, the senior competition. And you'll see there were the medals around their neck. And they're happy and uh, celebrating for that. So we had a great time at camp. So camp was, was good. Um, it was hot, but still wonderful. And so I want us to put our hands again and thank all the volunteers. And I know that some of them are here this morning. So if you volunteer with camp, I want you to stand so we can recognize you. I know some different ones are here. Uh, one, two, I know some others. Let's give them a big hand. We appreciate them. We appreciate them for all that they did. Uh, Lots of volunteers and, and those who worked with us. And uh, Sister Thames was the one responsible for the junior side. We really appreciated that. And uh, so it was a wonderful time together with food, fun, fellowship, and also in the Word, uh, teaching in the Word, and also ministry. And so camp was great. So we, we thank the Lord, and we thank the Lord that we all came back safely. That's important. So we had a good time. So I just wanted to let you know, now we're flowing to the crusade that's coming up beginning tomorrow night. The youth crusade begins. And of course, you've heard you, there are flyers that have been around. And we want you to invite some young people. We have a dynamic preacher, speaker that's going to be ministering directly to the youth. He speaks directly their language and uh, really is one who connects with them well. And so you don't want your youth to miss it. And I'm sure the young people are going to ask them to put it on Facebook and to send it out so that it's all over 
and we're looking forward to a great time from Monday night through to Thursday night. So Monday through Thursday is going to be the Youth Crusade. Every night starting at 7.30 p.m. Be praying for the crusade and be looking to God for what he's going to be doing with the young people as we continue to uh, expose them and get them involved more and engage in the ministry. Those, a lot of those young people, before they went to camp, that Friday and Saturday went to a conference where they also were impacted before they went to camp. And so if you notice, it's out of a continuation. They went to the conference on Friday, Saturday. Then on Sunday, they left for camp. And camp from Sunday to Thursday. And then from camp, now they come to the Youth Crusade from Monday. So it's really trying to put together a series of events that will make a lasting impact and make a change in their lives. I want to thank uh, all the leaders and all those who helped. It made a big difference. So that's what I wanted to talk about and show you a little bit about youth. I'm turning it back over to Brother Walt. Thank you, Pastor. So if there's anyone sitting here that did not go to camp this year, well, we know you missed out. So next year, still available. So make sure that you make your plans and events to be there next year and enjoying them to the wonderful worship and celebration that happens when your child gets an opportunity to do this. At this time, we'd like to welcome a special selection from the Living Word Open Bible Dance Ministry. Put your hands together for them, please.
more time for our Living Word Open Bible Dance Ministry. Bye-bye to my pain and my sorrow. Hallelujah. Thank you. It's always inspiring to see our young people performing. We know that the work and dedication it takes for them to be able to do this, you know, is truly inspiring. So once again, thank you to all of you who are involved with the dance ministry and support it. This time we're going to continue in our worship with our giving. We're going to ask the ushers to come up as we get ready to give the tithes and offering in obedience to the word of God. This time I'm going to ask Sister Morrison if she would not mind. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness and your love. Father, this time we're going to take up the offering. May we be reminded of your word that says, bring all the tithes and offering into your storehouse, that there may be food in your house, and prove you if you do not open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings you do not have room to contain. Father, we thank you, and we ask that you bless the offering, multiply, and maybe be used for your furtherance of your kingdom in Jesus' name. I want you to join me in welcoming the speaker for today, our senior pastor, Pastor Carl Francis. Please put your hands together. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God is good. And all the time, why don't you turn to the person right or left of you, tell them you're in the right place at the right time. Amen. Well, we've been having a great time in the Lord. Amen. And uh, we just want to today continue to talk a little bit about what God's doing in our lives and to understand who we are and what we are called to do. I'm not sure if you realize that if you're a Christian, you're a missionary. 
And everybody here today is in one category or another. Of two categories, you're either a missionary or you're a mission field. How many, people, how many consider themselves missionaries? Raise your hand. Okay. So let's ask, how many people believe that you, how many people have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? Raise your hands. Now, put your hands down. Now, when I say how many people are missionaries, everybody that just raised their hand need to raise their hand. How many people are missionaries? We are missionaries. I'm not sure you realize you're a missionary. You probably thought that the missionary was the one that we send the money to and we send overseas, and those are the only ones. But that's not really true. Today, we're going to look at the fact that all of us are called with a mission. God has a mission for us. And I want you today to recognize that. And so I'm going to be uh, showing us a little thing here about how we get involved in missions. So here we go. Let's see if we can launch this mission this morning. And I'm going to pick it all up. T minus 90 seconds and counting. All systems are good. We're about 90 seconds to launch a special setup. T minus 60 seconds and counting. Transferring to orbiter internal power at this time. Discovery is now running off its three onboard fuel cells. Coming up on a go for all the sequence start. And we have a go for all the sequence start. Discovery's onboard computers have primary control of all the vehicle's critical functions. T-minus 17 seconds in counting. 15, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 7, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8,
Discovery, negative return. That's what you and I are on. We're on a mission with a negative return. God has called us on a mission. And we should be going on the mission just like Discovery with a negative return. You got your Bibles today this morning. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to read a couple of verses from that and then also Acts chapter 1. And Acts chapter, Matthew chapter 28 and then Acts chapter 1. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20, 19 to 20, you're familiar with that passage of scripture. It says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. Jesus says, Go therefore. And then in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, he says, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. There are 6.7 billion people in the world today. And that means there's a vast majority of them that are lost. They don't know anything about Christ. And you and I are called, in fact, we are sent to them. And so the question this morning is, where do you start? In Indonesia? Russia? Saudi Arabia? No, we start right in our backyard. So let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to us as we realize the mission that we are on this morning. You and I are a missionary. We are missionaries. We are all missionaries. Not just those that we send overseas. Not just those that we send money to. Not just those that we support in a foreign country. We are all missionaries. Let us pray. Father, we thank you today. That your words are life unto those that find them. And literally medicine unto all flesh. We ask you Lord that you speak to us today as only you can. Holy Spirit we are relying on you. We are trusting in you. And we need you. We need your help. We need you to speak to us. We need you to make a difference in our lives. We need a change oh God. And so Lord help us to grasp. What is our purpose? What is our calling? What is it that we are about? Speak to us as only you can today by the power of your spirit. 
This we ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people says, Amen. If you go, if you look at the Bible, beginning from Genesis all the way through Revelation, you'll find that we understand that God created us, and especially in Isaiah, he says it very clearly, that we are created for his glory. We are created to bring glory to God. We are created so that we could worship him, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And you must understand that in the beginning, as you read in Genesis, God's plan was always that man would be perfect. He, was put him, he put him in a perfect environment. He made a perfect man. And we messed it up because of disobedience. And every time you and I disobey the word of God or go contrary to God's word, we are going to find that our lives are not going to be as God planned them. Many of us, many people today, are on a trajectory that is not where God wants you to be going. And so today, I want to be able to speak to you what the Word of God says about us, because sometimes we have problems saying, what is God's will for my life? Well, we know there are some things that God has told us already. And we don't need to be trying to be fuzzy about it. It's not a fuzzy thing. We know one of the things that is God's will for sure. The Bible says it is the, it's not the will of God that any should perish, but that all should come to everlasting life. And it is very clear, as we read in the scripture this morning, that God has sent you and I on a mission. You and I have a purpose, and we have a mission. The only reason when you and I are saved, while we're still alive and we're still here, is because God has you here for a mission. Now, we can abandon God's mission, or we can carry out His mission as He planned. Discovery, if they try to abandon the mission that, that the Space Kennedy place has for them, they'll get into big trouble. They're going to be off target. They're going to be somewhere else, and maybe, obviously, totally lost in space. They have to follow the plan of the mission. And as you heard them as they were taken off, they were synchronizing everything together. And there was a specific point at which everything was planned. The separation. In other words, when the engines got started, T minus 17 seconds, you heard. And then they count down. And at the time of zero, they have to roar those engines inside of that space discovery. And inside of it, everything's got to go. And everything's and then, the, then they said, he's got to adjust the, 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 the tail so that he will get to the precise location in space. If he adjusts it one degree off, or even half a degree off, or even one millionth of a degree off, he is going to be somewhere way off target. He has to follow the plan. And that's the same thing with us. There is a plan that God has for you and I. There is a purpose for your existence. And when we follow our way, when we do things the way we want to do them and how we want to do them, we find that we are off target. Our lives are not the way God planned it. And we end up experiencing some things that really wasn't part of what God planned. Now here's the thing about that. God may not have planned those experiences, 
But because God is gracious and merciful, he takes those experiences and works them out for good nevertheless. But not because that's what he planned in mind. That was not what he had in mind. He had something better for us. And so sometimes we end up with trouble in our lives and situations in our lives because we are directing and ordering our steps ourselves. We have taken the management of our lives in our own hands. I gotta wonder, and, and the challenge for that is because we believe that I'm in charge of me. And a lot of people think that. I'm in charge of me. But I gotta tell you, that's not really how the Bible sees it. That was not part of God's plan. And we are, anytime you believe that, you're deviating just like Adam and Eve did from what God's plan was. God's plan was for them to walk in obedience. If Adam and Eve had just followed what God said and eat of every fruit tree except that one tree, one tree, they could eat of everything else. Isn't that amazing? One tree. Eat of the fruit tree here. Eat of the fruit tree here. Eat of the fruit tree here. All you have to do is just don't eat of this fruit. What do they do? They gravitate exactly to that and disobeyed God. One thing of all the many things, trees that they have. And sometimes in our lives we do the same thing. And God's calling us back today. He's saying to you and I, and we need to recognize I got a mission for you. And it's a negative return mission. But what's God's mission then? What's God's mission for us? But first of all, before I say that, I need to let you understand the word mission, what it means. The word mission comes from the Latin word that means to send. When we talk about the mission of the church, we're talking about God sending us to participate in his mission. So the missionary is one who is sent. And you and I are sent by God. If you remember, Jesus said in John 17 and verse 18, As you sent me into the world, he said, I have sent them into the world. And then Jesus also said in John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. That was not just to the apostles. That was not just to the disciples. That's to every child of God. You and I are sent. I want you to say it with me, I am sent. Come on, say that again. I am sent. We are sent. You remember Jesus says, go therefore. Go. If I said to you, go over there, I'm sending you. If I say, if you want to go over to the original sanctuary and do this, I'm sending you. Go, therefore. Every time you will see, he's talking about go. We're going to look at that in a little while. But the point of the matter is that God has sent you and I on a mission, and it's a mission of negative return. I like that phrase when they came to that part. You know, in Apollo, in, in, in Discovery, the astronaut says, it's a negative return. We're not coming back. We're not turning back right now. We are on the mission, and it's going forward, negative return. You and I are on a mission, and it should be negative return. And so it is that we should not be looking back to go back to where we were. We are on this mission that God has called us, and it should be a negative return. So what is God's mission for us? It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 18 to 20. Maybe you want to turn there for a moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 18 to 20, explains what is our mission. You and I have a mission outlined for us. And it correlates with what Jesus said before. 
There's a clear thing about our mission. So this morning, before you leave here today, you need to know what is your mission. Now, let me, let me read it for you. It says, now all things are of God. All things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That ministry of reconciliation is our mission. But how, Paul goes on to explain it even more. That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has what? Committed to us the word of reconciliation. God has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Reconciliation with God is what is needed. Why? Because if you go back to Genesis, man broke fellowship with God when we disobeyed God. And when we disobeyed God, the fellowship was broken, the relationship was damaged, and in order to repair that relationship, we need someone to, we need to be reconciled to God. But we could not do that of ourselves. And that's why Jesus Christ came, so that we could have a pathway to be reconciled to God. And what does God do after that? He wants every human being to be reconciled to him. But it's a personal decision. I can't have you, I can't make your reconciliation with God. I can't effect your reconciliation with God. You can't affect my reconciliation with God. You, you can't affect the person beside the reconciliation. They have to make that decision. You can tell them about it. You can show them how it's done. But they have to personally make that decision. And every human being has to make that decision because we need to be reconciled to God. That's our mission. Our mission is a mission of reconciliation. Now when I think about that, that our mission is a mission of reconciliation. The Bible teaches us that we cannot really be reconciled to God unless we are reconciled first to each other. You see this issue? Do you see the challenge why we have to learn to live together? We got a challenge. We got to learn to, we have to learn to get along. Even if you, you got to find a way to get along with the person beside you. You got to find a way to get along with the person behind you. You got to find a way to get along with the person in front of you. You got to find a way to get along with the person on the other side of the room. You have to find a way to get along because God says that we cannot say we love Him if we don't love our brothers. We are fooling ourselves. And I don't know about you, but it's pointless going year after year, year after year. We need to grow spiritually. You don't want to be where you were last year spiritually. You need to get over the petty issues and be able to grow spiritually so that I know, you know what, I have an issue with you. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to say I'm sorry. Humble yourself, the Bible says, and says, you know what, sis, I'm sorry for what I said. I apologize. What's wrong with doing that? What's wrong with doing that? What's wrong with Mercy meeting the person and, and saying, you know, I see you, I see that, you know, or whatever it is. You need to make sure that it is right. And if somebody offends you and you are upset, maybe the person doesn't even know they offended you. You need to go to the person and say, you know, you offended me. 
and you says, I, I want you to know. And when the person comes to you and says they offend you, you need to grant forgiveness. You need to let them know, I'm sorry. It wasn't my intention to hurt you. I said some things because, you know, we all make mistakes. Is there anybody here that has never blown it? Is there anybody here who's never said something that you don't, you forget, you regret, you said? Is there anybody here who's never done something that you wish you had never done? Is there anybody like that? We all have made mistakes, isn't it true? We all have blown it at some time or the other. So there's no point in not making right. Reconciliation is what God is about. First, we, have, we, we can't be wrecked. God says, if you're coming to be reconciled with me and your gift to the altar, leave it there, go back, reconcile with your friends first and your neighbor, and then come back to reconcile with me because I can't get reconciled with you until you reconcile with them. And so we have to deal with that issue. We find over and over again People refuse to forgive. People refuse to make right. Many believers carry stuff in their hearts still. And they carry stuff for a long time. And they hold stuff there. And you could never believe that for so long they carry these things. We, de- we need to get rid of that. The Bible says get rid of malice. Get rid of envy. Get rid of jealousy. Get rid of all those things. That's not what we're called to. We are called to a ministry of reconciliation. And how am I going to reconcile other people if I'm not reconciled with you? I have to be first reconciled. And so it is that that's our mission. Our mission is a mission of reconciliation. And we need to get people reconciled with God. A lot of people don't understand that they are not in good stance with God. And some people do. But then they think the way they reconcile with God is very different. They think the way they reconcile with God is by good things that they do. So they say to you, well, you know, every Thanksgiving, I go down to Miami and I take food to the homeless. And I take blankets. And I take care of the poor. And whenever I see somebody that's destitute, I help them financially. And so what are they doing? They're listing their good works. And as they list their good works, they're thinking that the good works is going to be credited and God is going to credit them. And some people believe that there's a credit and a debit balance in God's book. And all I have to do is to make my credit outweigh my debits. And if my credit outweighs my debit, I'm going to make it right with God. Unfortunately, God set the standard. And that's not what he says. He says, wonderful that you're doing all those good things. And you should do them, but that's not how you get reconciled with me. You can only be reconciled with me by being perfect. Did you know that? Let's do some theology now. You can only be reconciled to God by being perfect. Why? Because God is what? Perfect. You, an, unre, an, an imperfect person can't be reconciled to a perfect person. And the only way to be reconciled to God is to become perfect. Because remember, remember, we, when we started out, what were we? Talk to me. When God made us, what were we? Perfect. And then we messed up. So what is God trying to do? Get us back to what? 
perfection. And the only way to be made right with God is to be perfect. Can you say that? Perfect. You need to know that. You have to be perfect to be reconciled to God. Now somebody said, but pastor, what do you mean by being perfect? I know I'm not perfect. I don't know any perfect person. That's true. I don't know anybody that's perfect either. I am not certainly not perfect. All you do is ask my wife. I'm not perfect. And I don't want anybody perfect. So how does this reconciliation thing work then? If we have to be perfect to be reconciled with God. Why, that's why we need Jesus Christ. Because Christ is the only what? Perfect person. So that's the reason why there is no other way to be reconciled to God but except through whom? Jesus Christ. Because we come through him and we get his perfection. His perfection is put on us. When we accept what he did on the cross, we qualify to receive Christ's perfection. And because we receive Christ's perfection, we now are made perfect in Christ. In Christ. Remember that. Say in Christ. That's how we are made perfect. In Christ. And because we are made perfect in Christ, not of myself, not of who I am, not of what I've done, but because of all that Christ has done, I made perfect in Christ. And because I made perfect in Christ, God accepts me. He sees my perfection in Christ. And he says, ah, now we're ready. You're reconciled to me. That's why in Christ is so important. You read the Bible over and over again, you'll see Paul talks about in Christ. In Christ. In Christ. Paul says it ad nauseum. He says it over and over. It is, the Bible is replete with that. Paul says it over and over, 100,000 times almost. He says, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Because everything we are is because of what? Jesus Christ. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. O Lamb of God, I come. All of us. Everybody. No other way. That's why the Bible says there's no other name given among men that we must be saved but by the name of Jesus Christ. So there is, that's, the, that's our mission. You have a mission of reconciliation. You and I are called to reconcile people to God. And here's the amazing thing is that God has chosen us to complete the mission that Christ began. When Christ came... He died to start the mission. And when he left, he gave us the responsibility of completing the mission. Just imagine that. You and I have an awesome responsibility. We have a responsibility of completing the mission. We are supposed to be history makers. So where do we start? Where do we go to make, to become history makers? If you look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 with me, let's take a look at that for a moment. We're going to see some things in there. First of all, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Hallelujah. So the first thing we notice about where do you go with your mission is that Jesus says you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. When Jesus told this to his followers, guess where they were? They were in what? Jerusalem. Here's a principle. 
You start the mission at home. Hello? We start the mission at home. This is where we start the mission. You start with the people closest to you. Jesus healed a demon man, healed someone of a demon possession. And he said to him in Luke chapter 8, he says, Go home and tell people how much God has done for you. So the man went all over town telling how much Jesus had done for him. Can I ask you this morning, are you telling people what God has done for you? Are you sharing with them the good thing God has done for you? Has God done good for anybody in here today? Has he done anything good for you? Can you say praise the Lord? Can you say thank you, Jesus? Then guess what? We need to tell others about the goodness of God. You know, my friend, if we would just even start saying that, if we would just even start telling people, my God has been so good to me. People will get curious and say, wait a minute. Tell me about this goodness because I'm going through such a struggle. I want him to be good to me too. We have to daily tell people every chance you get. Let me tell you something. You say to them, I got to tell you, my friend, my life was like this and God turned my life around. And I got to tell you what good God has been to me. How merciful God has been to me. How gracious God has been to me. How kind God has been to me. And that's why you see me serve him diligently. Because my God is good. Hallelujah. But we have to tell people that. Now, if people hear us murmuring, complaining, whining, and they said, wait a minute. I think them say they're Christians. And, and they're inviting me to Family and Friends Day. And, and all I can hear from the job is moaning and groaning. So if that's all God has to offer, why do I, not, why do I need him? If, if he's such a God that he, he can't even take care of them then I don't think he can take care of me. Are you seeing the bad reputation we give God sometimes? We cannot moan and groan and complain among the unbelievers. You know, we, we, we can share some things among ourselves, but not among unbelievers. We can't do that. They need to hear about the goodness of God. They need to see the struggles we're going through. And then you say to them, I got to tell you something. I'm going to trust God, and my God's going to take care of me. And then two weeks later, they come back and say, didn't I tell you? God took care of it. And you gave them a testimony and said, whoa. If God can do that for them, maybe he can do that for me. And sometimes we don't get a chance. We have opportunity. God give us opportunities to brag about him, to put him on display, to put him to the test. I got to tell you, my friend, when you're having trial on the job and you have a situation where you're in a crisis, you put God to the test. You say to the person around you so they can see and say, let me tell you, I am trusting God, and he's going to find a way for me. And they're looking to see if that's going to be true. And let me tell you something. God will never let you fail when you do that. But most of us are afraid to put God to the test. We won't say that. We are thinking, what if God doesn't come through? Let me tell you something. He always comes through when you put him to the test like that. Because he's never let his name be put to shame. But you need to be bold and courageous to declare and to speak and to say, my God. We don't, you don't want to sing it in church. My God is awesome. You know, we sing it in church and we do it happily. 
Hey, can I tell you, when the car breaks down, my God is awesome. When the refrigerator does not work, my God is awesome. When you don't see the lunch money, provider, provider, provider. You've got to be able to declare it. That's when it comes alive. That's when you declare it. It's got to be real. The walk, you know, we read in the Bible about the church in Jerusalem, the early church in the book of Acts. And we read the miracles they experience. And we read the things that happen to them and we say, oh, I wish it could happen. It can happen. It's the same Holy Spirit. The difference is that they were bold to declare. They were bold to believe. They were bold to say, God's going to trust. I'm trusting God for this. I don't see any way, but I know God's going to come through for me. Is there somebody like that this morning that's saying the same thing? I know God's going to come through for me. I know God's going to make a way for me. You've got to put God to the test. He's not afraid. He's not afraid of being put to the test. He's really not. He's awesome indeed. So you start right at home in your neighborhood, on the job. You go to your families and your friends and your co-workers and your neighbors and the person who delivers a paper and the person at the store when you're buying something and, and they see you smiling and they, they see you bring out the change and, and you took your extra change and you went back and said, you know what, you didn't charge me for this. You're testifying. You didn't charge me for this. I noticed that when I, when I went home and when I looked at my bill, as I was getting in the car looking at my bill, I saw that the milk was missing. I came back so you could put the milk on my bill. Not God has blessed me with a free milk. No. Be honest. Be truthful. That's what the difference is. You know, Billy Graham was trying to make a call one day. And he was putting in his coin into the, in, into the call box. It was a public telephone. Days when they didn't have cell phones. And he was trying to make a call somewhere. And it's, you know, you have to say to the operator, I need to make a call. You've got to talk to the operator. Remember? In those days, old days, you don't even remember those things anymore, eh? But you had to tell the operator you want to make a collect call. You want to make a call to so-and-so. Then the operator tells you the amount, and then you put the amount of coins in. So he put the coins in. And every time he put the coin in, the thing dropped out. And he put the coin back in the right amount, and the coins kept dropping out. And he put it in the third time, and the coin kept dropping out. He picked up the phone and says, operator, I've been trying to put the coin in. And the coin keep dropping out. I did a try three times. And the operator says, I know, Mr. Graham. I was at your crusade last night, and you talk about honesty, and I wanted to see if you practice it. She recognized his voice. And so sometimes God's testing you and I. And sometimes God's testing on you, wondering, you don't, don't, you don't, don't think it's a blessing, you got blessed. He's testing your honesty. It's testing when you were willing to say, you know, this, uh, I, I didn't pay for this, or, or this, this charge wasn't there. That's important. People all around us are interested in spiritual things. Do you realize that? People are spiritually hungry, believe it or not. George Gallup did a survey. Here's what he said. He discovered that 65 million Americans have no church home. 65 million Americans have no church home. But 34 million said if they would attend, if somebody would just invite them. Family and friends day. Somebody would attend if someone would just invite them. Another Gallup poll said teens would rather talk 
about God than sex, drugs, or music. Opportunities to share God's news really are all around us. We got to invite them to church. God wants to use you. He wants you to fulfill your purpose of mission and evangelism. And of course, that's why I said he didn't take you to heaven. Jesus said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. If you're failing to fish, could it be that you're not following somebody, said? The Bible says, the Lord is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Question I want to ask you this morning, is anybody going to be in heaven because of you? When you get to heaven, my friend, is anybody going to come to you and say, thank you? I'm so glad you told me about Jesus. Here I am now in heaven. I was on my way to hell. And because of what you share, I am here. So the first thing we learn in that passage, from Acts chapter 1, verse 8, is that we need to share with those in your world. The second thing we need to do, we see in there, it says, Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses in all Judea and Samaria. Now, Judea was the community in which they lived. Samaria was the nearest neighborhood, but it was the kind of neighborhood that the Jews don't want to go into because the Jews looked down on the Samaritans and they actually called them dogs. It's a derogatory way they looked at them. And Jesus said, you got to go there. In other words, I must take time to reach out beyond my world. God wants you and I to reach out to people that you don't like. People that you don't think you want to get to. He wants us because guess what? They are his creation. He made them just the same way. They're in God's image and God's likeness. And there are millions of people around the world. And there are millions of people that you and I pass every day. And there are thousands of people. But then I tell you, you've got to start with just one. Just one. You know, if I gave you $10,000 a day, for 10 years, Or if I gave you one penny a day and I double it for 10 years, which one would you take? $10,000 a day in 30 days, you got 30,000. In 60 days, you got 60,000. In 100 days, you got 100,000. But I'm going to give you one penny a day and double it every day. Who's going to take the 10,000? Huh? Everyone, somebody said. <laughs> Even those that don't want to say yes, right? Everyone, because I'm getting $10,000 a day? Woo! $70,000 for the week? That's a lot of money, isn't it? But do you know that after 10 years of getting all that money, the one penny a day doubling is about five times more money than the 10,000 a day for 10 years. 
Multiplication is greater than addition. Why am I telling you that? Because you see, my friend, if you win one person to Christ, and you teach that one to win one, and that one teach that one to win one, and that one that you want teach that one who teach that one, who teach that one, who teach another one, can I tell you something? Do you know that they said if we were to do that, the gospel would reach to everybody in the world in about a few years? Everybody. All you have to do is one person that you teach, that you convert, and you teach that person to convert one person, and that person that's converted, you teach them to do one person. And what an amazing thing would happen. We would not have place in this church to hold people. We'd have to already build the other, other part of the building already to hold the people. If each one of us just win one person and disciple that one person to win somebody, and then that one person. You know, if each one of you did one one person, guess what? The church has doubled already. Do you realize that? And then if now you win somebody else and that person wins somebody else, do you start, you start to see the multiplication factor already? In no time, it is, it's an amazing thing. And you know, we're, in the, we're at the end of July. And at the beginning of the year, I, asked, I said that one of our goals is to double the congregation. And I said to you then, all I ask you to do is to win one person to Christ, each of you. You remember that I did that? I did that. If each one just reach one and disciple that one to reach another one, what an amazing transformation will take place. Are you going to let the year pass and you don't reach each one? You've got to reach one and disciple that one. And disciple that one to reach one. Because that's important. And so I want to challenge you this morning. To, you're halfway the year. We're at the end of July, but you're still not, it's still not over yet. I want to say to you, let's take up the challenge and focus on saying, before the year is out, I'm going to at least reach one. I can't let a year pass and I don't reach one. And you got to disciple that one. Disciple that one. We've got to get back into what we were called to do. And because we are called to be disciples, because we are called to disciple each other, to disciple that one that comes and then teach that one to disciple that one, I have my own calling. My calling is to equip you to do that. And so the message this morning is to awaken something in you to realize that God is depending on you. He's called you. You're a missionary. You may not be one. The question is not, is not if you're called. The question is not about am I called. You are called. The question is where do you go and how do you go about it? And where do you start, we say? Right in your what? Where do you start? Come on, where do you start in your, in your backyard? Can you say backyard? 
You start in your backyard. What does that mean? Right where you are. Your neighbor, your co-worker, your friend, your family. Right there. Pick somebody that's close to you that you know. Because guess what that's going to do too? When you pick somebody close to you, it's going to help you to walk better. Because you know when you pick them close to you, what's going to happen? They are going to start watching you. When I came to Christ, they used to teach me that as well. When I came to Christ, we used to have a living uh, helper. And so when I came to Christ, the first person I told the next morning was Bernice, was her name. I told Bernice. I said, Bernice, last night I received Christ as my Savior. And Bernice knew my lifestyle. Bernie saw the girlfriends. So Bernie knew what I was like. So if anybody's going to see the change, it's going to be Bernie. So I put myself on notice with Bernie to demonstrate a difference. My father never liked the idea at first because he wasn't saved and he thought, Give him six months, and he'll turn back. But I never looked back. I had to cut off all those girlfriend relationships. As you heard, I said, friends. That's true. I was that kind of a guy. May not look like that, right? But I was. And I cut them off, and I never looked back. And I got, I was at church for everything. I was at every Bible study, every service, every meeting, because I got to draw close to God. I got to build my spiritual life. I got to have my devotion and read my Bible. And then I entered Bible school so that I could get stronger in the Lord. I have to do something to grow. You can't come to Christ and then just wander around. You're gonna, the devil is going to pull you right back into the world. That's why we need discipleship. When you win somebody to Christ, you have to disciple them. And discipleship costs. It means you pick them up. You bring them. You call them. You say, how are you doing today? Where are you today? Are you reading John? Are you read with them. You pray with them. You follow them up. You check with them. How are you? Can I pray with you over something? And you're mentoring them day after day after day. It's not something that you just call them once in a while. Discipleship. Jesus was with his disciples every day. You know, the interesting thing is that Jesus had, he spoke to crowds of 15,000. He spoke to crowds of 5,000. Did you realize that when Jesus left, there were only 120 people left? When he left this world, there were only 120 people in the upper room and 120 that had stuck with him. And the 120 turned the world upside down that today there's over 2 billion people who are called Christians on the face of the earth. You know where it came from? It came from that 120. 
Do not minimize the discipleship process I'm talking about. When you win one and disciple that one to win one and let the one disciple to win one, that's what we need. All I'm asking you to do is to reach one. And when you reach one, let's talk about it, report it. Let's, try, let's celebrate with you. Let's give God praise with you. And let's encourage you to keep on and give you the tools that you need to disciple that person. Get them signed up in instant. That reminds me, I'm starting instant level two in September. But it won't be for everybody. It will be through an interview process. We got to do it to make sure that you're serious about what we're doing. You got to have a commitment that you really want mean business for God. And soon we're going to start a school of ministry here. I always wanted to start a school of the prophets. And so that's coming down the road, but instead level two is coming up. And so the Bible tells us God is passionate about lost people. We have the best news in the world. You think CNN, CNN breaking news is always bad news. You ever notice? CNN, somebody says, constant negative news. Breaking news, CNN, constant negative news. Always. But we have good news. And we need to share those good news with different people of different backgrounds and different economic social status. Our mission has eternal consequences, my friend. It's whether somebody goes to heaven or they go to hell. And the Bible is clear there are only two choices we can make. We either end up in heaven or we end up in hell. There are no other choices, and we must be willing to risk everything to get the message out. I'm sure if you had a cure for cancer and you found a cure for cancer, you would try to tell everybody you know. Because you'd want to make sure they get healed. Can I tell you, we have something more important than that. We are talking about eternal life. My friends, you got to remember, after this world, which everybody's going to come to a point where they go, after this, it's eternity. And if your soul isn't right with God, you're going to spend eternity, that person's going to spend eternity in hell, or they're going to spend eternity in heaven. There is no change. There is no turning back. There is no repentance. There is no going back. There is no forgiveness. There is no getting right. There is no reconciliation. There is no preaching of the gospel anymore. It's all over. It's all done. I can't go back. I can't plead. I can't say, God, I beg you, send me back. I beg, just like the man in the Bible who says when he saw, and he says to Abraham, please send somebody, send Lazarus that I used to see at my door gate, that sore foot man, send him to tell my brothers, don't come here. You know what Abraham said to him? Abraham said they have Pastor Francis to tell them. And if they don't believe Pastor Francis, even if I send somebody back from the dead, they won't believe. My friends, you and I got to get to, we have got to get the word out. People in our community are terribly wounded by the curse of this world. They're grappling with consequences of sin and disobedience. We can either curse them or bless them. Christians are called to build bridges, not walls. You can't spell God without seeing the word go. You can't spell good news without seeing the word go. 
You can't spell gospel without seeing the word go. Every time you look around, God is telling you, you and I need to what? Go. Go to your backyard. Go to the fence. Go to the neighbor. Go to the co-worker. Go to a friend. Go to the enemy. Go to whoever. Go somewhere. Tell somebody. They need it. They need to hear. He's sending you to be a witness to the next door neighbor. Pray for insight as to what to say and how to approach and say, God, tell me what to say. Can I tell you when Jesus sent you, when Jesus sends you, he never sends you on a task that he doesn't prepare you to do. And when he sends you, he's working on the other end already. Paul says, I become all things to all men so that by all means I may win some of them. And then finally, we see in the, in the text this morning, it says, Jesus said, you must be my witnesses to the utmost parts of the world. I must take care about the whole world. I must not, it's not just about Jerusalem. It's not just about Samaria. It is also to the utmost part of the world. Go into the entire world, Jesus says, and preach the good news to all nations, to all creation. When Jesus said that, he was talking to his followers. When Jesus said that the disciples had limited means of transportation and communication, today we can reach the farthest part of the earth in hours. It used to take me, when I first went to India over 20 years ago or less, it took me three days to get to where I was going. Today I can go to the same place in India and it will take me a day and a half. That quick. Planes are faster. Routes are better. Long haul planes are designed to take long transatlantic hauls, 12-hour flights. And all these things that they can, they don't need a fuel, they have enough fuel to cross the Atlantic. And so you can get there in no time. It's a whole change in the world. You and I have cell phones. We have all sorts of means of communication. We have internet. We have Facebook. We have all these different things we can do. We have Twitter. We can do things. We can send something out, a message out. Send something. Send a message. Send something out. We need to do something. But God has sent us. You and I are called and we are sent. And I want to say to you this morning that we need to recognize that God is saying to us, go. I want you to look to your neighbor and say to him, God says, go. So this morning, as I close, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear in the name of the Lord. Let's see. Can I get volume up there in technology? It's not working again. This is a gospel about individuals created in the image just like you and me. There are 6,536 unreached people groups with no access to the gospel. I don't want you to hear that. It's a statistic, by the way. Those aren't numbers. Those are individuals, just like you and me. We have the same needs, wants, hurts, and desires that you and I have. These people are somebody's mother, somebody's father, somebody's child, somebody's brother, somebody's sister. They're made in the image of God just like you and me. Where would you be without Jesus? The answer is you'd be in exactly the place that 2.6 billion people are without you and me. 
the message of the gospel is that Christ has satisfied the full wrath of God against our sin. And he has done so for the peoples of every nation on earth. But it does them no good if they never hear about it. If you have experienced the gospel, there's no way that you can look at a world that is headed to hell and not care, not move, and not offer your life and say, God, here am I, send me. So, you can say, if you are still alive, your mission has not been completed. Remember, it's a negative return. You have four possible responses to this message. You can say like Moses, who me? Or you can say like Jonah, not me. Or you can say like Habakkuk, why me? Or you can say like Isaiah, send me. Will you stand together this morning? And I pray that you, you will say, Lord, send me. Can you do that this morning? He wants, he's sending you. You said, me, Lord? Yes, he's sending you. And God's not sending you unequipped. God's not sending you without the ability to do it. My friends, ability does not come from us. Ability comes only from God. So you don't have to worry, am I able to do this? Will I be able? Will I have the capability? Do I have what it takes to do it? That's God's responsibility. You and I don't have ability. Ability comes only from God. The one thing that you and I have that God cannot deal with is our availability. Because he chose not to force you. He waits for you and I to say, Lord, I am available. Send me. If you will say that this morning, if you will recognize God, use me. Use me to touch one. And help me to disciple that one. And teach that one to reach one. And that one to disciple one. And to continue and to make it continue. Let me tell you something. What a change. What a difference. When you get to heaven, my friend, there will be people there that you had no idea that you were part of that. Because you started a chain reaction by just winning one. I want to challenge us as a church. I want to challenge us today. Don't let the year pass without you bringing one and discipling that one. We're willing to help you disciple them. We'll do whatever it takes, whatever we need to help you disciple that person. But it's important that you bring one into the kingdom. And it's important that you don't bring them in and leave them alone. You need to disciple them. Staying with them, praying with them, encouraging them, teaching them, and bringing them to the to the, to, 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 to the Bible study. Let them hear the word of God, exposing them and, and giving them, talking to them, standing with them. That's what Jesus did. He took 12. And in three and a half years, he took 12 and he turned the world upside down with those 12. And the impact. Eventually, a man by the name of Saul was converted. And look at what he did.
Look at the impact of Billy Graham and if you begin to understand how he came to Christ. The impact of D.L. Moody who listened one day to a man preaching and he says, if a man could grasp what God can do with any man who makes himself available, it would be more than he could imagine. And D.L. Moody heard that statement and D.L. Moody says, God, let me be that man. That's all he did. That's all you and I have to do this morning is to say, God, let me be that person. He will do the rest in terms of ability. But are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to give up your life? Because the Bible says you cannot gain until you lose your life. You can't find your life until you lose it. We're holding on. The great missionary says, he is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. What are you keeping? It's not worth it. There's a lot more to gain when you give up what you're doing, what you're holding on to. God has sent you on a mission. And it's a mission of negative return. You're going forward. You're not looking back. And all he asks for you is to say, Lord, use me. If you're ready for that this morning, I want you to raise your hand and say, God, as you raise your hand, I'm going to pray for those that raise their hand and say, God, I want to see. Lord, I want you to look over this audience today and to see those hands that are raised. That's saying, God, Jesus, use me. And oh, Lord, don't refuse me. For there's a work that I can do. And even though it's humble, Lord, help my will to crumble. Though it's hard, I'll work for you. Father, it is a privilege and an honor to represent you as an ambassador. So many would cherish the position of being an ambassador for America in a country. And yet you've called us the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to be the ambassador of the God of the universe. What a greater position. What a greater position. What a greater responsibility. And you're dependent on us. Lord, I pray that we will not fail you. We will not drift away to something else. But I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in us, would speak to us, would do the work through us. We ask you to do so in the name of Jesus. And we give you thanks for every hand raised here today, God. For that one that do not know you as Lord and Savior, may they recognize that today can be a day of reconciliation. A day when they can say yes to Jesus. A day when they can recognize and say, Lord, I need to be reconciled to you. I ask your forgiveness. I ask you to come and take control of my life. And I want to live for you for the rest of my life. 
Accept me as your child. Bring me into your kingdom. And I thank you for hearing an answer. You can say that simple prayer. It's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of recognizing that what God is saying, that you were created for his glory, that he's called you. He has a plan for your life. He has a mission for you too. You may be on the outside today, but he's bringing you into the family. He wants you to be a part of it. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for what you're doing. We give you the praise and the glory and the honor. And we bless your holy name. Be glorified, O oh God. Be exalted and be lifted high. Lord, let your people go forth, each one reaching one. I pray that today as we go forth, we'll begin on the job, we'll begin with a neighbor, we'll begin with a friend, we'll begin with a co-worker, we'll begin at our backyard, we'll begin right there where we are to reach just one and to disciple that one and to teach them to win one. Lord, help us to know that ability comes from you. All you ask us to do is to be available. I pray that these words will not go in deaf ears. I pray that the Spirit of God will do a new work in our hearts. I pray that you will do something new in this church. Send a revival among us, O oh God. A passion for the lost. A desire to see souls saved. And to recognize that I'm on a mission. A mission with negative return. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. When we dismiss you this morning, our first time guests, we have some refreshments on the outside for everybody. We're not going to the hospitality suite today. We're going on the outside where everybody's going to be fellowshipping together. But our first time guests, we want you to be first in the line. So our sister is right there. If you turn around, first time guests and look. That beautiful young lady there with a purple blouse will escort you to our place of refreshment where we have a refreshment. And I want us to take time to go up to our first time guests. Take time to go up to each one and greet them and let them know we welcome them and glad to have them. Before you go to your friend, I want you to seek them out. You will see them with her. You will see them at the end of the line. So I'm going to ask our first-time guests, if you're visiting with us for the first time right now, can you slip out of your seat and go stand with her so that when I pronounce the benediction, you're there. Take whatever you have. And those who just stand beside her right now, all our first-time guests, get them a hand as they're slipping off. Come on. Get them a hand. We're glad to have them with us today. They're going to stand there with you until we do the benediction. Just, just stand there with her until we do the benediction. And you are going to be the first in line for the refreshments that we have on the outside. You want to take a look around at them. I want you to greet them when they go on the outside. Take a look. Take a look so you can greet them on the outside. You want to go up to them and tell them it's good to have them with us today. As many of you that can, say hi. Say good to have you with us. Amen. Raise your hand. Let me pronounce the benediction. We don't have any small class, small groups today. There are no Bible classes today. But we have family and friends today. You know by now, we all fellowship together on the outside. 
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. As together we say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Escort them, if you will, to the then make sure you say hi as they're escorted to the refreshment table. Thank mm -hmm. you.